The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. Get up close and personal with some of your favorite male porn stars on One on One with Poppy Chulo. Created by Poppy Chulo, One on One showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular male performers. Here's your host, Poppy Chulo. Welcome to One on One with Poppy Chulo. Today is Saturday, April 15th. 2023 listeners please welcome fan favorite gay adult star jay seabrook welcome to the show hello 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 how are you i'm doing great i'm doing great it's a beautiful day outside in vegas very nice i love vegas yeah do you you do Vegas is spectacular. It reminds me of especially the strip it reminds me of south beach on like steroids Okay, how so? I want I want to hear that. Well, when I first went there, it just gave me a South Beach vibe, like without okay. clearly without the ocean being right there, but you know the lights, the amount of people, the the you know the different places you can go into. I mean, it's it's I call it South Beach on steroids because I mean it takes a moment to get to places. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to walk an entire block to like get to the next place. Unlike South Beach, where, you know, you take a couple steps, and you're in the next place. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, like, it, it just gave me, you know, Ocean Drive vibes, you know, the main strip of uh, okay. Vegas. Because when I first yeah, went, I did, like, I walked the entire strip from, like, one end. I think there was, like, a jack-in-the-box on one end, or an in-and-out, and then I walked all the way to the other side. And it was, it was fun. Yeah. It was an experience. Yeah. No, there's definitely, like, a lot to do in, you know, a few miles of what this trip is. Then, 100%. There's a lot to do. And there's so much to do in the different hotels, or the resorts, I should say. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you gamble, it's, you know, paradise. But... Well, no, there's other stuff. I mean, well, yeah, if you gamble, it's paradise. But there, it's foodie paradise. There's so many shows, uh, clubs. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's one of the places that even, like, off the strip, like, there's some, like, not necessarily hole-in-the-walls, but some hidden gems here, like, just the food is fantastic. Oh, yes. The um, the Peppermill place is really good. Mm. There's, um, like, a blog, kind of like a Chinatown little thing, um, like a China market, like, Asian market here nearby the strip, and uh, every single place there, the food amazing just like every little shop it's just really good so if you come back you should you should go check it out yeah it's very nice but yeah it's pretty it's pretty known here so it's it's a really good place for food very nice i will add that to my to-do list so before we start everything off i have to give you props uh props on the 2022 grabby awards win you were in the best group scene. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Congratulations. I always give props to performers, yeah. especially, you know, when you, you've you only been in the industry a handful of years. Already getting nominations as well as awards is a major thing. So props to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was definitely the bigger 
scale moment scene that I've ever filmed and, you know, like the director and like the assistant just having to like work with, you know, like 20 plus models at the same time and just everyone being like horny motherfuckers, you know, trying yes. to get the scenes in and then, you know, getting creative, fighting positions and then just everyone just kind of like getting into the work of things and getting into the flow was really interesting. Awesome. Congratulations. So thank you. You're welcome. Let's kick this interview off. And typically I like to start off the interview with getting some unique stats out the way. So what's your height and weight? I am five nine and I'm hundred and eighty pounds. What's your ethnic background? I am Venezuelan. What's your zodiac sign? I'm a Capricorn. And how old are you? I am 26. All right. So let's get to know a little bit about the man behind the performer. Where are you originally from? Are you from Venezuela? Are you, were yeah, you born, born here in the right. States? No, I was born in Venezuela. Oh, that's what's up. So what was life like yeah. growing up for you in Venezuela? Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> well, yeah, like, yeah. Wait, I mean, I'm trying you, to think. You, Wait, 26. So you were there when Mr. Mr. Hugo was there, right? Yes. Yes, yes. We existed at the same time frame. Yes. Oh, and, God. Um, yeah, politically, just not great. Like, all in all, uh, a place I just, I just didn't feel safe. And obviously, like, finding out that I was gay and then my family finding out that I was gay. You know, we were all in the... In the um, kind of like in the agreement that it just wasn't safe for us to to stay there. So when uh, I was 18, I finished high school, I just, um, I left Venezuela for good, and I haven't returned since. Well, yeah, because Venezuela's a mess. I mean, I can't yeah. say much about my country, because my parents are from Nicaragua, but I'm first generation right. here, and right. we're a mess too. But not like Venezuela, but close enough. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of sucks because it was a country with so much potential and, you know, with the oil boom, like in the fifties, mm -hmm. like Venezuela was one of the fastest, like developing countries um, in South America. And there was just like a, such a big opportunity for growth. And then, you know, we had kind of like a momentum there for like a few decades and then it all went to shit, like in the nineties to like two thousands and it's been staying downhill, very steady. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. You were there for 18 years, under, and all mm -hmm. of it was under Chavez. Well, so Chavez died in 2013, so whenever um, he died, he kind of just, like, gave the pathway to his successor that was also Yeah, okay. So worse, you were, like, so. you were, like, six, yeah, like, 16, because that was, like, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, right. He actually died, like, around this time, or, like, they announced his death, because he had disappeared on, like, a trip to Cuba, and there were rumors yes. that he had died in, like, mm -hmm. December. But then, like, people didn't know of anything, because, you know, the government likes to keep stuff hidden from from the public, so we all kind of were in the... Um, we all kind of knew, like, he had died already, so he was, like, a big... I remember that moment in life whenever the dictator died and I was in school and I was like in swimming um, training and like just the energy in the afternoon was like, 
you know, whenever the, the news were going to come out, we just knew that we need to get the, this kids, you know, like safe home. And like the, the city kind of like collapsed, like the traffic was insane, like, you know, like telephone, like everything was crazy. And my parents were on a trip to Italy. So I was like <laughs> alone with my brother that week. So then we were just kind of like, I needed to get um, like back home from, from training and, you know, everyone was just trying to like make the home safe. And then you're like on the way back home, it was just chaotic. I mean, obviously like the news, everything just kind of, it, it was a little crazy for sure. I imagine. But what was the vibe? Was it a sigh of relief or was it more uneasy because, you know, the people didn't know what was to come? Well, I mean, we, the people that hated him, a.k.a., you know, anyone that has common sense in politics and human rights and economics and all in all, you know, like social justices, like we were celebrating that he died. Um, but then his successor was just even worse because he basically just told us, um, he just told his followers and his believers that, hey, if something ends up happening, just vote for him. And that's what ended up happening. You know, the people that still believed in him or whatnot um, ended up voting for him. And then, you know, like he just kept creating rules and regulations and bylaws and just keep controlling all branches of the government so that he could keep his... Um, his role and power, uh, which, you know, they, they did for, what, like 20-something years now. So it's kind of it's like a dead-end road, road for now. So it's like a point of no return type of thing for me that, you know, as soon as I left Venezuela, I was like, yeah, this is not it for me. I'm just I'm not going to be returning. Yeah, I feel you in regards to all of that. Yeah. Good grief, man. What a, what a life. What a life. Okay, but now I do porn now. So I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it, it turned out there's a happy ending, but I'm bumped. Right, exactly. Yeah. Happy yeah, many happy endings. Okay, before we get into any of that, so, all right, you mentioned something that I have to pick your brain about. So okay. you are in Venezuela. Under right. the dictatorship of Hugo Chavez, right. you are in a, uh, for lack of a better word, just a very conservative country. Yep. And you start having these feelings, and you're starting to realize your attraction to men. How yep. old were you? And... Uh, just what was that experience like for you? Because you mentioned that your parents found out. So can you just explain to me the entire situation? Well, so I kind of knew um, that I was into guys um, when I was, like, five-ish. Like, I was, you know, like a little flamboyant kid, you know, like a little not wanting to be friends with the guys and more friends with the girls. And then I'm just, like, not finding the words to describe what it is. And then kind of, like, talking for, for the first time when I'm, like, eight or nine. And I'm, like, oh, shit, I'm gay. <laughs> and then started to, I think I started watching porn when I was, like, 10 or 11. So that's when I started to, you know, like, start developing, I guess, actually, like, my little preteen years into, like, teen years. 
and obviously just not telling anyone and just holding the facade that, oh, no, yeah, I'm straight, whatever, girls, pussy. <laughs> However, I could fake it. And I really watched porn all the time. I mean, I kind of still do. I love porn. I mean, even as a consumer, I mean, it's just enjoyable. Like, I love the art of it. I like the, uh, the beautiness of it. Um, so one day, um, my mom was returning for work, and I had totally forgotten. I had watched porn on the family's computer, and I left the porn tub open. Not the family when computer. Home, whenever she got back home, that's the first thing she saw. So she's like, um, what's this? And so that's how kind of my family found out. Um, I had to talk with my mom first, and then she was like, don't tell this to anyone. Like, this can, you know, like, ruin your life. This can, you know, be harmful for you. Like, have you ever touched any guys? You know, that kind of, like, my hysteria, little moment of hers, that she was just scared for, for my life or that, you know, the first thing that she thought was, like, oh, no, hey, I, um, I had an uncle or, like, like a granduncle that he was gay or, like, I think the only closer, like, gay relative in my family that I knew and, you know, he had, like, HIV, so he had, like, health complications that, you know, um, further into his death when I was young. And, you know, my family never talked about him being gay or, like, whenever he was alive, you know, my um, my parents or, like, my family didn't speak about it. You know, they never told me anything about, you know, like, his HIV status because that was something that, you know, they didn't talk about it. And that's something that, you know, they kind of just let him go through, you know, into his death. And then it only came about whenever um, I grew up into, like, my teens and my family had to, like, have this talk or thought that they had to have these talks with me, which I didn't appreciate to take that long. And I didn't appreciate to keep that hidden, even if they didn't knew I was gay at the time. It's something that I wish there was more to talk about, especially in a, in a country that, you know, there's not that me much medicine allowed or, like, you know, like, there wasn't PrEP at the time. But it's not like any PrEP was, you know, starting into, like, you know, being able to hook up with people. So there was definitely still that sense of, um, of yeah, of, like, shame and, like, scare yeah. around it. And given the little rebel that I am, like, I was never going to um, settle by that situation and or like a, a sense of shame and developing into who I wanted to be as a person. I never wanted to be shamed for who I was. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, if I'm going to move to the United States, which is somewhere, you know, a little more acceptable to be gay. I don't know. I'm just current state of politics. <laughs> but, you know, moving into the United States was still like a better, um, a better bet for me too. Uh, further really explore my sexuality and my identity, and that's kind of what it did. Well, we still have to keep the faith. Uh, we have to remember that in times of uh, great progress, there is a lot of fear from people, and uh, yes. we, we as a nation has had incredible amount of progress in, you know, acceptance of everybody. So, yes. uh, you know, my my hope is that the progress that we've made doesn't get erased just because, you know, there's in exactly. particular a generation that 
does not want to move forward. Correct. Yeah. Okay, we got into some deep stuff in the very beginning, which... Oh, baby. Yes. I mean, just wait till you get to pick my brain a little bit, because I love conversing when it comes to, you know, like, queer identities, about, you know, like, facing adversity, um, because porn is still very, very, you know... I would guess in that developing section, like this is. Oh, like, I agree with you on porn that. To me, it's it's ever it's ever changing. Like porn is always about learning, and you know, like when w- this wave um, of yeah of like social justice kind of began. That it's whenever consumers start being more critical about the porn that we're watching, and if we don't see that type of representation that we want in porn, like people will talk about it. And, you know, when models actually have a say in, you know, the type of content that we want to create and, you know, the type of content we want to see ourselves as well and where we want to see ourselves, uh, it's kind of also inspiring. And I've met amazing people like critical thinkers in the porn industry, like people that, you know, they have a brain. It's not just like, oh, we're making money and we're second dick. You know, it's more so like we are sucking dick because we're sexual creatures and we enjoy it. But at the same time, we still have a sense of responsibility to what we put out there in the media and what do we want to create as performers and entertainers. So I think it's been it's been pretty interesting, especially starting COVID times because I started 2020. So in 2020, I was traveling through COVID and, you know, like getting tested for COVID, you know, every week just to make sure, you know, I was getting scenes done and still, you know, making money. So it was very interesting to see the um, the industry in those stages because I never got to find out what the industry was prior. So my sense of the industry was only a very small portion of it because it was still all very like COVID uh, regulations for a while. While I was working. What was going on with your life prior to entering the business? And if you want to start talking about how you got into it, yeah, we can do that as well. Oh, it's it's like not that hard of a story. I ever since I started hooking up with guys, I realized, oh, this is something that like I can see myself doing really well and like professionally because I felt really. I love the confidence. I, I'm very attuned with my body and what I enjoy. So if I know what I like, I know what I can provide in like a bigger setting. And I knew all of it was going to be a little slut. I was like, I was never going to conform by monogamous or monogamy or like exclusivity or like, that's just, I never felt that way strongly. So I, I made it very clear, started into the industry that this, it's not going to be an issue for me when it comes to relationships because I'm not going to let a relationship dictate my relationship with porn. Um, so let's back up a little bit. I went to college for sports management and I went to college in West Virginia in a small town. I was like, let me do this small town living. You know, let me do the countryside for a little bit so I could focus on my studies. But then you know, my sex life was kind of struggling a little bit. It was hard to meet guys that I was really into or, like, guys that were, like, a little open-minded. It was still very, like, 
yes, that were raised under very religious and conservative parents, that even though they were gay, they still had some conservative feelings regarding relationships, and the only relationship model they had was, you know, a hetero, you know, couple, like, you know, one person works and the other person just, like, you know, stays home with the kids or whatever. That's kind of, like, the mentality that I found myself dating, and it obviously didn't work out. So then one summer um, in Texas, I was working for summer camp, and I was working at the Texas A&M University, uh, like, swim camp. So I was a counselor there, and I was friends with some of the lifeguards, and I got to meet some of the diving team, like the club or, like, the university team. So they were, like, awesome, really cool people. And I met this guy that I thought was beautiful, and I got, like, I kind of befriended very quickly, like, at that moment. I'm like, fuck, like, you know, he's gay, he's super cool, his friends were cool, so let's hang out. And I found out it was Ashton Summers, a big, you know, world-known porn star. At the oh, time, that's you know, crazy. So, so I didn't realize it was him at the time because, you know, at that point I just didn't know who he was. So I that kind of like clicked the light bulb on me. I was like, oh fuck! Like now I'm I'm getting to meet a porn star. So this is like new territory. But there was something in me that was like, you should do it. Like you should go for it. So I think that week that I uh, it, I met Ashton, um, I broke up with a boyfriend I had at the time. I was like, listen, I wanted porn. You're with me or you're not. And he's like, I can't do this. And I'm like, okay, goodbye. So uh, that summer, I started, summer 2020, uh, 2018, I started applying for, um, starting applying to like studios and stuff. And I got um, an agency. I got Fab Scouts to reach out to me. They're like, hey, we're like an agency that we represent models. We just like get your bookings and then just pay a fee. And I was like intrigued because I kind of wanted someone to guide me through it, I guess. Instead of me just standing by myself in the industry, I wanted, you know, uh, um, yeah, I just wanted a manager at the time. So I um, I signed with Trapscout in 2018, but then I didn't get to do any work till 2020 because, you know, still in college, I had just transferred to a different school in North Carolina. It was just really difficult even leaving the school on a weekend to travel to, like, Vegas to then get, like, stuff done. So I told the agency, like, hey, like, I'm not ready yet. Whenever I'm done with school, like, can we do this? And they're like, yeah, just let us know, and then we can get going. And then um, as soon as I was done with college, I hit Scout again, and I'm like, hey, I think I'm ready. So then that kind of set things into motion. Very nice. Okay. So in total, how long have you been in the business? You started in 2020, so has it been exactly three years, or is three years approaching? Um, uh, three years approaching. My first scene was May. Like, the, I don't know exactly the day, maybe like May 20th or 21st. So that was kind of like my very first scene. So that's what I, my poor anniversary begins. I love it. 
congratulations for, for making Thank it to you. almost three years. We're almost there. Uh, that's incredibly yeah. impressive, especially, you know, because the industry does have, you know, a lot of turnaround, as you know, in the three years that you've been in it. So the fact that you have been in it for three years, the fact that you get a lot of work, congratulations on achieving, you know, at least one of your goals of, like, making it to the industry and making it your own. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm also very outspoken about how I'm feeling. I'm not going to be in a situation or, you know, like working in studios that I don't feel safe or I don't feel comfortable or, you know, I kind of have to back off a little bit with just studio work or just have to get in really my studios because I'm really not going to be working for uh, less than I think I'm worth. Um, so that's kind of been my vibe right now that, you know, if I get studio done, it's gotta be something that you know I feel comfortable with that I'm like liking the experience that I'm enjoying it that's hot because also working with so many people um, also on OnlyFans and getting you know getting really acquainted with the industry just makes me realize how much work it still has and you know like how much work I still I would get you know but it's still it's still not there yet where 100% I would not be like, you know what, this is my thing or like finding a studio that I'm like 100% with that, you know, like I get hired all the time or get booked or like I book exclusive. So that hasn't happened yet. But, you know, I, I love the industry for what it represents for me and the opportunities that it has opened for me. So I see myself doing this for a while. So hopefully, you know, like more bookings, you know, I moved to Vegas exactly for that reason. Like, I love LA. I love what it can, it can bring, you know, in terms of uh, opportunities. So hopefully that will, you know, start happening and flowing in the near future. I'm just taking things little by little. You know, I, I've i been able to enjoy Vegas a lot, and I've been enjoying my chosen family here. So it's been helping me to be away from home, Miami, for a little bit, and you know, I do get to visit Miami once in a while, but being away from my family has, you know, definitely make make it slightly um, harder, I guess, to kind of adapt. But at the same time, I'm I'm happy with people and blessed with the people that I've met here that have made this experience really, really good. I like the sound of that. You know, chosen family can be as, as just as important as uh, blood family. So I love that you have oh. a really nice support system around you. 100%. Let's you. talk. You're welcome. Let's talk about your name, Jay Seabrook. How yeah. did you come up with your performer name? Well, so my real name starts with a J. So it was pretty no-brainer. And I'm like, I really like Jay as a name. It's very simple. It's concise. I also, <laughs> this is what I, this is my logic. This is what I told myself. Um, started in the industry. I want to have the whitest sounding name. Um, you know, I wasn't going to say anything. I, I was about to, but in my mind, I'm thinking un venezolano with the name J.C. Brooke. Right. No, I wanted. I wanted to be. I wanted to throw people off because again, it's very sounding. Like the name Seabrook, it's like it's a town in D.C. First of all, and it's also a um, it's also a common name in Canada for all the places. So it's not necessarily um, super common in the United States either, but I had a friend from college and her last name was Seabrook and I, I just kind of love that name. So kind of picking um, 
picking and choosing, just brainstorming, like, name ideas. And I was like, okay, what do you feel comfortable being called? Um, so Jay, it was a no-brainer. I really liked that name. And then whatever. She told me the story of her family. She told me that her, I guess, her dis, uh, her ascendants, her descendants, whatever, um, her background, like, her family, like, long time ago, generations ago, they were pirates. And they were cursed by a sea witch, and um, apparently, you know, like the curse was just anyone who would like be part of that family or like bear that name was gonna have bad luck. So I thought that was a pretty funny little story, and I was like, I, it's, I could see myself as cursed as this beginning, like growing up and the country I'd grown up in, you know, facing the type of shit and like the situations that I was facing at the time and how unlucky I thought I was at the time. So I was like, let me flip the narrative and just take this name and just make it my own and, you know, make it as positive and not as cursed as, you know, one would think, because I think the name just kind of rolls off the tongue very well. So I kind of went with that. And also because, you know, I'm Latino as fuck, and um, you can hear it in my accent and you can hear it in my mannerisms and, you know, kind of how I'll go about my life. So, um it's just really funny whenever, you know, like people hear the name, but then they see me and they're like, oh, this, you're not what I was expecting. So that's kind of the reaction I was going for each time. But then I really, I, I do really enjoy the name. So it's kind of being my staple with me. And, you know, when people kind of like know me outside, like I mean, my really good friends and stuff, they know me about my real name. But then, you know, if they also want to call me Jay, like they're more than welcome to because I feel really comfortable with the name. I don't have a sense of like, or like a lack of identity with the name. And that's something I've found about some people in the industry that um, they kind of get lost in the sauce and they kind of lose themselves a little bit. And it it comes down about like their name and their chosen name and what to be, what to be called as. So I'm glad that um, once you're able to just see porn as what it is, this job, there's no reason for you to lose your identity to you or lose your values or lose your model, morals. So once you're able to just put the name in the tag in your accounts as it is and just keep moving about your life, it, 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 it gets easier to handle. It's so fascinating to me that you hear the word curse and, uh, you know, some people would run away from that word, but <laughs> you found a way to identify with it because of your life in Venezuela. You know, yeah. as you said, you know, you saw that as a curse. So, uh, yeah, it's just a fascinating story. Very interesting, Jay. Yeah, and I'm like someone that's very spiritual. You know, I was grown Catholic, and you know, was force fed into Catholicism for a little bit, but then. I kind of realized that's just the only thing in the way I go about my life is most like a spiritual way. So like all those little stories about paganism, about, you know, like people trying to reach a higher sense of self through different methods. Like I've always found fascinating. It's never been about evil spirits and stuff. It's about everyone has a different way of putting a sense into their life in the sense of like an extra of a beyond. So, um, I've gotten to to see that and enjoy that and meet some amazing people that have also opened my mind to a lot of different ways of spiritualism and 
something that I feel comfortable and I feel safe with. And, you know, I think that's part of what's been an issue when it comes to religion. It's been like, you know, practices that have been held for centuries, millennia, that just because they weren't, um, I guess, accepted by mass organization religion, you know, they were just kind of prosecuted and just like deemed as evil and deemed as like, you know, you're going to hell for like doing all this thing. But then, you know, this other religion, this practice, don't believe in hell. They believe in that now. I believe like, listen, like you're only here for so long and you got to accept the earth and love the earth for what it is and love your body and love your soul for what it is. Just, you know, coexist with um, who we are as entities in the universe. So. It's um, it's been kind of interesting to, you know, hear the thing curse and, you know, obviously being like, oh well, that's just bullshit because I don't, I don't think it cursed. Like me telling to my friends, um, because she wasn't cursed at all. I mean, she was, you know, like upper middle, like high class society that she was doing fine. Uh, her family was fine, and I'm like, well, I don't know where your curse is, but you're doing fine, so give me some of my curse. There you go. Now let's talk about the very first time that you were on set, your very first shoot in the industry. You're someone who had this idea for a moment, like, you know, as many of us, you know, you watched porn when you were young, you are fascinated, and then you ended up deciding that you want to be a part of the industry. And now you're getting your chance. You're starting at a weird time, you know, during COVID and that sort of thing. But but let's get into it. What was that first time like for you? What was that first experience like? Were you excited, nervous, scared, everything? Yeah, yeah. So my very first scene was a COVID-themed orgy that we filmed in Vegas with Fraternity X, and um, it wasn't, like, in the in the scheme of things, because we shot, like, four scenes that weekend. That was the last day that we shot that, but that entire weekend was kind of, like, my first experience, and it was, you know, the same group of, I think, like, it was, like, five or six guys, and um, we filmed, like, Friday to like Sunday or like Friday to Monday or like Thursday to Monday, whatever it was. Um, and it was, it was very interesting because at that point I, you know, I, I, I had a sense of what it's going to be like because I knew how intense Fraternity X was. Um, and I also knew, you know, it's not like that sketchy. Like it's not like you are at a, you know, and, and an actual, you know, like abandoned frat house, what it looks like, and then you guys just fucking, there's, you know, a script, and, you know, you guys go for it. So the way I see that was not necessarily my thing, because as much as I do enjoy orgies, the fantasy that we were selling, it's, you know, like douchey fraternity dudes kind of like force fucking each other to make money. Um... So that wasn't necessarily my bias, but I do appreciate, you know, the opportunity of having worked with it and, you know, was able to, like, my very first paycheck as an adult. So um, I was happy with what was given to me at the time. Um, And it was still a very intense moment, but I was glad to put myself and my body through it just to kind of garner the experience and then see the... um, 
kind of see it for myself. So when it got released, obviously, it wasn't necessarily well received because, again, I mean, like, where the, the scene was um, us watching um, CN, like an excerpt of CNN. So Anderson Cooper is, like, on the shot, and he's, like, talking about COVID. And then we're all... Uh, we all have, like, face masks that we're all wearing gloves. That's just really funny that, you know, we're like, oh, no, we're freaking out, dude. And then we're just, like, for whatever reason, we start spitting at each other. We get one of each other. And I'm like, no, don't, like, like, I'm freaked out about this. Like, don't spit on me. Like, I have family to take care of for. And then they just kind of, like, grab me and then they start spitting in my mouth and they start fucking me. So that was kind of the thing. And I just remember, you know, a bunch of, like, the big porn stars were like, oh, like, this is stupid. Like, why are you guys doing this? It's so responsible to be shooting at this time while all the other studios were, you know, like, shooting low-key and traveling to different countries to get things done. And everything was still kind of low-key. Um, and all these porn stars were also breaking uh, social uh, distancing as well. Um, and they were making comments like, oh, you know, like, would you, would have you made a porno making fun of, like, the Black Plague or, like, you know, the Spanish fever <laughs> or, like, other big epidemics at the time. But, you know, if you're going to make people talk, which Fraternity X has done for years, if they still do Fraternity X, I don't know. Um, yeah, kind of, we kind of made people talk. And one of those scenes got nominated for an award because in one of the scenes, we put the bottom on a skateboard, which, by the way, was my idea. Uh, we put him on a skateboard, and then we just push him onto the dicks. And the, the, the kid was, like, what, 130, 140 pounds. So um, I do that light. It was just really easy to to be manageable and just toss around. So we put him on the skateboard, and we got nominated for, like, best position, I think, like, a straight-up skateboard. Um, so that was really fun to um, to film and you know, have a little bit of a say or, like, creative um, insight into, you know, what should we do with the scene. So that was fun. What do you enjoy most about starring in porn scenes? I feel it's sharing it sometimes. Like, when I work with studios, like, lights, the I don't have to worry about the production part. I can just, like, be eye candy. That's nice. Um seeing myself in this, you know, settings that are, like, still very far-fetched from reality. Like, this is not something that happens very often. You know, when you're filming taboo sex, when you're filming, like, fake incest, when you're filming, you know, like, this ridiculous scenarios that end up being people, you know, fucking each other. Um, I just like to captivate those ideas. I think it's hilarious. I think, you know getting creative to the point that, you know, it's still very hot and it still, you know, captivates audiences. It's awesome. I love seeing, you know, the end results and seeing me in these angles and these positions that I consider myself to look really hot and really sexy. And I love seeing the end products and just, you know, being able to work with the directors and pushing for the visuals that they want to see or they want to achieve. I, I really enjoy that. So I... I've also enjoyed that part of OnlyFans where, you know, I have full control of the production part, so then I 
I get to see myself in a certain way. So I get to like get some of the angles that I I I think I love my best. So that I can get that vision up and you know get people excited and get people to be comfortable with themselves. I definitely had some interactions with people that they enjoy my comfortability in sex and that inspires them to be comfortable in themselves. And also Latino people that were able to, you know, like be desired um, because there's still like so much racism, you know, going on. So those words speak to me and I, I hear them whenever people not only see me, you know, as an object of desire, which I don't mind, but when it goes beyond that, when it goes to like sexual identity, when it comes to um, people not be afraid of, of having this desires and want and wanting to express themselves in that way, that that goes beyond, you know, a paycheck important for like a big studio. Like whenever you get to connect with people that way, that I don't think I was ever able to connect with people that way before I was in the porn industry. You mentioned the fake incest. A little bit later we will be talking about that because I have a question for you about that. But before we get into any of that, something that I want to ask you about is how would you describe your style of fucking? How would you describe your fuck style? Ooh, passionate as fuck. Um, I mean, verse as fuck. Like, if I can flip every day of my life, I could, I want it. Um, I am, at least at my point of life, I'm still very passionate. I always gonna follow what it feels right in my body and to an extent if I can make my partner feel pleasure as well. And if they tell me, if they communicate to me, you know, what they want, like I'll be willing to to do those things. I wouldn't say I'm the kinkiest person, so I kinda really get into the more intense stuff, even though I would love to do some kink content to get the experience, to kind of be more comfortable in that sort of environment because done properly and done in a safe space, it's an amazing experience. Um, I just recently did an extra work for kink.com um, and I'm super excited to see it because it's, um, it, it's very intense and interesting because I love what they're like basing the, the movie out of. It's like a big feature with like really good models, I can wait for it to happen, and the friends and the producers, I'm super excited, um, because I was at the production one day, and, you know, I got tied up for the first time on camera, and it's just me yelling and crying and portraying this, like, you know, this person suffering, and, like, on the inside, while well, I was getting, like, bonded, like, rope tied, I'm, like, laughing and, like, giggling and just, like, talking to the models and just, like, getting really excited, because to me, like, Shibari was, like, Japanese bonding beautiful. Anyway, some getting up the deep end on this side, but yeah, um, go with the flow type of fucking, very passionate. I can go intense whenever I require to go intense, but I also love soft and mellow and, you know, like delicate t touching and um, slowing it down and, you know, r changing rhythms and changing pace. It's very big on me. Also, with kissing, it's not just like a one-way type of kissing. Like, I want to be kissed in very different ways. I want to have very different speeds. Like, you know, also enjoying, like, really good, good melodic, you know, sexy music. It's also really nice to fun. But, yeah, 
And I, I, you can kind of see that when I, especially at my, in, in my OnlyFans, where I have full power of how I'm reacting to the things that I'm feeling. And I'm not trying to portray a different character but myself. Um, you can see it a lot that I, I focus a lot of my chemistry with my scene partners and um, however that starts and ends. Like, we're going with the flow. We're, you know, we're experiencing each other. If it's for the first time or second time, like, um, there's some people that I've been able to work with a handful of times that I keep repeating with them because it's just awesome. Like, we, we get to experience each other's bodies multiple times where that comfortable and then every time we get to film it's always like our experience so I kind of put that passionate fucking like very fluid with the chemistry and just like making each other enjoy each other um that's kind of what I go for most of the time you kind of answered this, but I want to just confirm. So, uh, because we've seen you do a whole bunch of different stuff in regards to the, the like the studio work, uh, I feel like they try to sometimes pigeonhole you into being more of a bottom. I don't know if you would agree. Yeah. yeah. But you see yourself as almost like a power verse. Yeah. Okay, that's what you are in your personal life, and that's what you want to convey in your productions. Yeah. Okay. All right. Jay Seabrook loves the best of both worlds. Why limit yourself, Jay? Why? You don't have to. It's not like I'd limit myself. No, no, no. It's I'm saying why limit I'm... yourself? That's why you're embracing, you know, being verse. Oh, no, absolutely. Like, at least, to me, the only reason I get more booked at the bottom is because my dick isn't as big as other tops. That's the easiest way. It's not about my femininity or my mannerisms or what I portray on camera. It's literally just that. But I've also shown in the scenes that I talk that, like, I'm good at it and people really enjoy it. So, you know, good porn is not just about a 10-inch or, you know, 6-inch skirt. You know, like, there's more to that. Yeah, that's visually appealing. And a lot of times it gets very successful, but then... You know, if people want to work with me and I, they want me to talk to them, like I'm willing to give them a show and give them a good experience. There you go. And whenever I've topped in scenes, that's what I can. I will want to portray as well. That you know, like however you want me, like I'm gonna give it to you good. Now let's break a scene down. In a porn scene, which do you enjoy the most, giving or receiving oral? Mm, giving, because funny enough. I love giving a good DJ. To me, like, just using all my skills to pleasure that person with my mouth is great. And I've been finding out lately that, like, just kind of, like, gagging on it, like, just makes me really hard. Like, it makes me really excited. Like, just, like, forcing my throat muscles. Instead of just, like, using my lips to suck it, like, I use my throat muscles. And that has been really, really enjoyable lately. So, I've been using that part of my body more. And also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really honest, there's a lot of people in the industry that do not know how to suck dick still. <laughs> so, like, I received some, like, pretty okay blowjobs <laughs> that I'm like, oh, like, you've never been told how to, like, suck dick. <laughs> or, like, 
discover with a partner, I guess, how to suck dick so you can actually provide more pleasure with someone. So yeah, I, I, I'd rather give a little more than receive on scenes. In a scene, which do you enjoy the most as far as rimming, giving or receiving? Mm, I guess also giving. Like, I love getting rimmed, don't get me wrong, but there's only a few handful of people that have really made me enjoy it. But then when I give it, like, I get really deep into it. Like, my rim style, it's, it's like I'm fucking you with my tongue. Like, I want to experience all your muscles in there. Um, and make it very sloppy. And sometimes a few people get like, or like they take eating out a little too, uh, um, too literal. So I feel some teeth down there that shouldn't be, shouldn't be used. <laughs> At least for me, like she's not for me. <laughs> so then I'm just more comfortable giving a little rim job. In a scene, what's your favorite sexual position to perform for the camera as a top and as a bottom? Mm. So I've only done this a handful of times, but I've done like the pile driver a few times. That has been super fun. Um, as a bottom, it's, it's just easy to just take it like that. Um, because when I've done it, try topping, it's just a little uncomfortable. I'm trying to hold. The legs in the certain position, and you're like squatting a lot, so you get like you get really tired very quickly. But it looks great on camera. Um, and then topping, I just really like um, missionary when I'm topping. It's you can get really deep. It looks great on film. Uh, there's some angles that I just you know like I love when I'm topping, and you can see like my hole as well, um, and get those like upper close shots, um, those close ups that. They're just really enjoyable, so, yeah, those two. And, of course, we know how a scene ends with the pop shots, the cum shots, the money shots. In a scene, where is your favorite place to shoot your load and to take a load? Um, I usually love um, when I'm getting my, my load fucked out of me. It's made it, um, it's just kind of like the easiest when it comes to, like, studio shoots, because, you know, after you're shooting for, like, a few hours, I've come to find out it's a little hard for me to come while I'm topping or, like, just jerking off. So when I'm bottoming, it's just, like, a little easiest for me. So I just, you know, the, whatever way it comes, like, getting fucked, it's the easiest and my preferred. And then when I'm getting a load of someone, I just love facials, especially on, um, on studio. Like, I've gotten some really, really good facials. Um, that did just look so pretty to me, and I just love seeing my face covered in cum. I think I look so cute. So far, in the time that you've been in the business, who have been some of your most favorite performers to work with? Not necessarily looking for, like, top five or anything like that, just names that pop into your mind as favorite experiences. Um, so when it comes to um, OnlyFans, I really enjoy... Um, Voice to Breed, amazing person, cool guy, love his porn. Uh, fitness Poppy, we became really good friends as soon as we, like, met, and we got, like, really good content together. Yeah, there's magic between both of you. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, haven't interviewed him yet. He's on my list. But, yeah, there's magic between both of you on film. 
yeah, like we've definitely made some like really hot content, and he's just one of my best friends in the industry. So uh, I really enjoy him. Uh, studio work, um, Diego Sands, I've always had a crush on. So like just working with him was awesome. Um, um, who else have shot studio with that I really enjoy? Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Oh, there's just so many. Like I really enjoy everyone that I work with for the most part because I I've get paired with some really like cool professional sexy people. And you know, you know like it's good whenever um offset, whenever you're like fluffing each other out. You guys are like enjoying each other's bodies like before filming and stuff that that I really enjoy the most that we're able to connect with that so that we can make the scene a little bit more realistic and more comfortable for everyone. Um, and also my, I call them my porn parents, Austin, uh, Summers and Dex, uh, from Fort Lauderdale. They have some, the most influential, influential people, uh, personally in the industry and I work with both of them. Uh, so they're pretty awesome, amazing people. Um, but yeah, there's a few, uh, there's a few people that are big in studio, but I haven't shot a scene with them yet, but I, with OnlyFans. But um, Brock Banks, um, Bo from Next Door, and Raging Stallion, uh, just, oh, there's some really cool people that I really got to enjoy. That there's just so many, because a lot of people, especially the ones that, um, kind of like fall off with porn and have kind of like a toxic relationship with porn. It's just really because they hang out around the wrong people, like they're doing the wrong things with like the money that they're getting. Uh, they just don't, don't get the experience they deserve because they're not pushing for that experience they deserve. Once, you focus on protecting your energy and protecting, you know, who you surround yourself with that opens to an entire community of amazing people that are not only beautiful, but they're like awesome human beings that they're, you know, very empathetic and they're very, um, what's the word? I'm forgetting that adjective. But yeah, just some really cool people that have really made my experience in the industry a whole lot better. And um, yeah, I guess that's the people that I could mention right now in the top of my head. Let's work on manifestation. Who have you not worked with yet that you look forward to working with in the near future? Let's use the power of manifestation to make some new scene work happen. Who would you love to work with? Who's on your wish list? Honestly, there's been, I've been going in like a loophole of following a lot of Latino guys, like Brazilian guys. There's just like a plethora of men in Brazil that I would love to be passed around. Um, when it comes to like the American boys that we haven't filmed yet, trying to manifest, I'm I'm trying to think. Um, well, one of them that I could say easily is like Jacoby. Uh, Jacoby does in the studio, but for his OnlyFans and his work ethic, and it's like he just looks like just like an amazing person to work with. 
Um, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, honestly, I love the studios in Europe that I would be really interested in working. Like, um, like Bellamy has some beautiful guys. And then Tim Tells, I would love to work with Tim Kruger of any of his, like, sexy, crazy tops. Um, let me see who else, who else? Some of the Lucas Entertainment men are fucking beautiful that I would love to work with. Also, a lot of European guys. Oh, okay. I will, I will give you this one. Adam Killian. It's one of my favorite daddies in the industry. I've seen him a handful of times, just like in, in public sometimes, like out nights or like at festivals. But fucking beautiful man. Like I've been obsessed with that guy and his porn for years. So I would love to work with him at one point in my life. Uh, Dirk Kaber, Kobe Jensen, some of the, the daddies that have been in the industry for the longest that I've always been a big fan of because I just, oh, they're just so sexy. Trying to think, I'm trying to think. Oh, well, some of the, some of the cocky boys, like some of like the newer guys, like Trevor Brooks, uh, Tony Genius, uh, Lane Colton, um, I've been wanting to work with, um, oh, what's his name? The way that I talk to, like, so many of these models, and right now I'm not, I can't remember any of the names. I've been also a big fan of Guys in Sweatpants as a studio for years as well, like Austin Wilde. I think it's just super sexy, and my guys are super hot, so I would love to work with some of the guys as well. I could, I could see me working with them at one point because he's just so hot and so sexy. And, also so organic. Like, I've talked to some of the guys and they tell me that um, that their scenes are very, like, okay, like, I'm just going to let you guys get to know each other and just, like, do what you want. Just, like, give me, like, two or three positions and do it yourself. And kind of how it goes. And I kind of like that. Are there any individuals in the industry that you look up to? Are there any performers that inspire you in what you're trying to do in the business? I mean, there's a few. I mean, like... Boyce to breed, I look up to all the time in the business aspect because he's being able to create something so big right now and trying to ex- he's always trying to expand his business. Raheem is also one of them that, you know, like he's changed the game. You know, Jacoby is also someone that's become extremely influential as of lately. And there's some guys that have been on the forefront of activism you know, on social justice, and I see them a lot, too, like Chirac and Brock Banks, the people that are, that use their voices the right way, and they're very eloquent to, um, to speak up, you know, not, not only just important, but just like in society, so, and shit that's going on around the world, and that type of, um, that type of activism, you know, like using that platforms for the better. Like, I'm always going to look up to people that are not afraid to, you know, say what they think because they know it's the right thing to say, the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, this kind of, those people that, you know, have able to create amazing, beautiful content, but also the people that, you know, their identity is also still very powerful, like as, um, like the mark that they're living in the industry and, you know, the world, at least, and, like, what I see it and how I think they're relevant and, like, the things that they say because they speak to me. It's 
it's very powerful. So, yeah. Now, let's shift gears a bit, and let's talk about some of the serious issues in the industry. And the first question in this set for you is, are there any misconceptions or myths about porn performers that you would like to dispel? Oh, a lot. I mean, like, a lot of people think that um, it's, like, extremely unsafe, you know, whenever we shoot studio or that we are one you know, one-faceted or that, um, like, the industry is just, like, overran by, like, unprofessionalism and, like, sexual assault and, like, um, and, like, drug abuse and all that. And it's just not the whole side of the story. Um, like, a lot of people, when they meet me outside of the industry, they don't expect I'm a porn performer. They think that you know, the way I speak or, you know, the things that I talk about or stuff, like, they don't align with what they think a porn performer is. So um, it's nice to have a voice. And, you know, I think that's been very big with social media now. Whenever we go on spaces on Twitter and just, you know, like 10, 12 different actor, uh, porn stars in a panel being able to talk about certain things, it, like, humanizes us. Uh, so those are a few of the things that I... I enjoy to just kind of like break the mold of what people think porn is. In your opinion, is there any competition amongst performers in the industry? Oh, of course. There are some people that have done some shady things, you know, to others to try to get ahead, 100%. Um, from things that I've heard from other performers do and, you know, like how they express themselves about certain situations or about other people. It's, I mean, it's kind of silly to me because at the end of the day, we all reach out to different markets and the porn industry isn't gonna go anywhere, hopefully. Um, So like, your revenue stream will never be affected just because another porn star is doing well. Like at least to me, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, gaining more followers on Twitter than someone else. Like, that's nothing compared to, you know, like, the impact that you're making, like, the art that you're creating. So why see it as, like, over-competing? It's cool that, you know, people are ambitious and they're trying to, you know, always better themselves and their craft. But whenever you are, you know, actively trying to hurt other people's career just because you think that's the way to go or you know, like, just, like, manipulate the narrative so that you're, you know, end up being more benefited from the situation. Like, I will, I will never understand that. And I, I guess I'm just, yeah, I guess I could never understand that. So I would never be related to that type of mindset in the industry because it just doesn't make sense with, um, with how I see the industry. Like, like whenever people talk award shows, and just like, the award shows in the industry don't mean as much as you think they do. Like, the people that are getting booked and busy in the industry are getting booked and busy before they even get nominated. So, as much as it's really nice to be nominated and, um, and win awards, 
and all that because the recognition still is going to be nice because it means you're doing something right. Um, those companies don't have a say in how successful you're going to be long term. And there's so many people in the industry that have made a name for themselves that, you know, it's not like they get nominated all the time or that they win awards all the time. So they're still very extremely relevant and influential even to like newer and newer models. So, yeah. Is there an aspect of the industry that you do not enjoy? Ooh, girl, how hard it is to get booked now. <laughs> like, it's a little oversaturated, and I feel I had it a little easier because during COVID, a lot of models refused to work just because they didn't want to, they wanted social distance, and they wanted to stay away from the industry while things were more controlled, which is totally valid, and I respect that. But that gave me an opportunity and a whole plethora of models that year to kind of, like, get booked and busy and be flown around everywhere. And a lot of studios are not doing that anymore. Like, a lot of studios don't even want to, like, pay models to travel anymore and, like, pay for accommodation. So it's like, oh, we're paying you your rate, but then you have to pay half of it on traveling and accommodation so you can even film it. And then a lot of studios are not even paying for, like, your testing. So then you're paying $200 on a testing from this company that's out of your paycheck. And it shouldn't be that way because I know a lot of studios have enough income to make it happen. And if you really want to make good, you know, get good um, models and you really want to, you know, just, like, make content with, like, the locals because it's just cheaper for you, like, pay up, girl. You stop me. Let's talk about this step genre. Personally, I like to call it incest light because that's basically what it is. It's incest adjacent because clearly none of the performers are related. But it's the whole the uh, the what which what do you call it um the situation the scenario that's being right. portrayed is about stepfathers step brothers step cousins yeah. step uncles step 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 it's a whole step yeah. situation. What's your thought on or what are your thoughts I should say on the genre? The very first time you got booked for it, was it strange? Was it funny? Was it weird? Was it ridiculous? Talk to me about the well, step I mean, of it all. It was hilarious to me because um, the models I was working with, um, uh, that scene specifically that I'm mentioning, they were both straight. So I'm getting railed by these two guys all weekend that are, like, straight, presenting, whatever, in a straight production team, and I'm the only gay guy. Oh, that's funny. So, so they were technically gay for pay. Right. So they're creating this fantasy, you know, about this twins or whatever, this, like, this cousin's fucking, this cousin's fucking. But, like, I don't have any type of interest in these people or trying to form some chemistry. So it was, it was pretty, um, it's pretty interesting. But, yeah. That's funny. Because, basically, you have to put in the extra work to make it seem real. Basically, 
So you were working you were working with two other performers? So it was a it was a Yeah. Okay, so you had to work double time to make it convincing. Yeah. yeah. So that's kinda how I felt at the time. I'm like, okay, so you guys are trying to like go with the script. But you're not making it easier because just like there's so much like straight energy that I was just like, Oh, this is kinda weird. But whatever, a paycheck is a paycheck. But um, there's some there's some scenes that I love about like stepfathers, whatever, that I, or like the step, the fantasy that I think they've done really well, and it looked like a really fun thing to shoot. Um, so I think I think that was that's more fun. Um, and as uh, it's one of the most selling ones, like the fake incest whenever you like research how much or what type of porn people search. That and like cuckolding are very popular. So if studios want to exploit that market, I don't see why not. There you go. Which they've co-opted from the straight side of the industry because uh, the whole step genre, I mean, it's still incredibly popular on the straight side, but that was, it started to be really popular. Like, a few years ago, like the gay side, just recently over the past, you know, handful of years, they they've really embraced both uh, the step and cuckolding themes. It's interesting. the The gay side is always a couple years behind the straight side. Many many yeah. years ago, on the straight side, um, parodies were really popular. You know, taking yeah. a popular TV show or movie and creating a porn version of that was really popular and then a couple years later the gay side started to do well but you that. you you know that a lot of the mainstream like gay studios are also ran by like the bigger mother straight companies right well now yes so it's always going to be a priority and like the creativity and stuff it's always going to be more because there's also more capital and more of a market for the straight um, for the straight um, population. So then trying to pass that into the gay population, that's, you know, a tenth of what the world is, and you put less capital to, to make it work, and you put a lot less of directors, because the amount of gay directors versus, you know, like bigger studios and stuff is just so little. So you, you know, if you work with, like, three or four studios, you've known most of the directors in the industry. So that that doesn't help with that type of situation. Yeah, that is true. It's just interesting. I mean, I know that now the majority of the industry is owned almost by, like, one uh, entity, but it's, it's still fascinating how, uh, you know, there is, you know, something that starts off on one side and then eventually sort of trickles down into the other side, and then it becomes incredibly popular there as well. It's interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about dating and the industry. Right. Let's talk about it. You as a performer in the business, is it difficult to date? Is it easier to date a fellow performer? Is it easier to date outside of the industry? I'll be honest for the listeners, full disclosure, like I don't know if you're dating. I don't know if you have been dating. I don't, I don't really follow performers' love lives <laughs> unless, you know, they, they really put it in, no in your face. You um, know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't, I don't post about it either if it's on dating. But um, it's not hard for me to date as a porn star. It's just hard for me to date as a person. 
um, because I'm very particular about the type of people I get my time to and how I want to be treated in a relationship, the type of relationship that I want. And if we're not, or like the people that are trying to date, are not fully aware um, of the, um, like of the situation, like it's just not going to work out. Like it's not, we're not going to make it happen. So that's just kind of, um, but what I go with, like obviously one of the first things I tell people if they're like interested in me in any way, I'm like, hey, like I do porn. If that's an issue for them, like that's it. Like I'm not going to fight it. They're not going to fight me over it either. So it's that type of situation. I've, you know, I've had my plenty share of, um, I had my plenty share of people, you know, like making a point or a statement to be like, oh, you know, I, I cannot deal with you doing porn. And I'm like, okay, then this is the end. So then that's just kind of how I go. Like if you don't like it, this is, this is not something I'm going to be forcing into you, but I'm also not going to change myself for you. So that's kind of how I go. And you're right, 100%. You know, this is your life that you are living. You have developed a career. And why would you change, you know? Right. If they are meeting you at this point in your life, they have to accept. If not, yeah. there is somebody else for them, and there is somebody else for you. Exactly. 100%. I love it. Although you need to start saying, instead of you do porn, you need to say you're a star. I mean, because you're a big deal. I'm just saying. Thank you, but oh. not, not where I want to be. Like, okay. I no, I love I love the aspirations. I, I love that you're no, a little hard yeah. on yourself. Let's be let's be realistic. Like, compared to all those you know mega stars in the industry that you know they're literally flying every other day to work and you know they're getting you know ten to twelve scenes a month. You know, I'm nowhere near close. So that's to me started that's someone that you know it's taking the industry and they're doing the right thing so that's the people I look up to anyways but um yeah I'm I'm not a star by any means but uh, I do what I can I will say you're a star I will say you're a star on the rise then I feel well, like you're headed you. in that thank direction you. just Hopefully. me Finger power of manifestation manifest Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, let's shift away from the serious stuff, and now let's uh, get into your original content. Let's talk about your OnlyFans. Uh, what type of content can the listeners and your fans expect from your original content? Uh, versatility, passion, just pretty people enjoying each other's bodies, like... Obviously, I do try to, to have a good production on my OnlyFans, but I'm also wanting to share some of what I do best, I think, and a lot of versatility, a lot of flipping, for sure. Whenever I can do threesomes, you'll get a lot of versatility threesomes, a lot of train fucks, because I like to do in the middle of the sandwich. Oh, so, yeah, look at you. A little bit of everything, yeah. All right. All holes stuffed. Yes. Okay. Exactly. And I will say you love a photo shoot. Sometimes. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now you're being coy. Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> love it. Uh, okay. So you mentioned 
you know, versatility. You mentioned, uh, you know, you love a penetrative threesome where, you know, you're getting penetrated and you're penetrating. You love being in the middle. Yes. Yes. You love, uh, you love stuffing and getting stuffed at the same time. Yes. Now, what about double stuff, double penetration? I haven't, I haven't done that yet. I've tried a few times, but it's also not like I bottom enough or like I stretch my hole in order to make it happen. But I, I would like to do it in the future, just like start training with toys. So then it's just something that I get to do, just like a little party trick. <laughs> a party trick, both as a bottom and as a top? Yeah, I, I think I've like double stuffed someone like once or twice. But it wasn't like that memorable for me. Like, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. How often do you update your original content? Every week. All I right. post a full video, trailers, and then like pictures and stuff. So like you get like at least three or four things for me every week. Fantastic. And is there anything that you currently don't do on your OnlyFans that you plan on adding in the future? Is there anything, an idea or any type of scene work that you aren't featuring yet that, you know, you would love to start doing on your OnlyFans? I don't know. I probably would want to start investing in just, like, better equipment to just make, like, higher resolution quality stuff. I feel that really um, sets the bar with, like, you know, this new wave of creators that, you know, like, everyone just tries to make their content their best. And I've seen how, you know, like, the high resolution really makes it, but then I don't have the equipment to do any of that right now. So I think that would be the next step. All right. An upgrade on equipment, lighting, and all that kind of stuff. Very nice. Yeah. What part of your body gets the most attention on your OnlyFans and social media? Ooh, my thighs. <laughs> my ass. Um, people, people really like to mention how thick my thighs are, and I agree. I like them. Now it's time for the big question, a question that I'm sure your fans and supporters might be curious to know. How much is J.C. Brook packing? How much? <laughs> um... I think I'm only like six inches. It's not that big, but it's uncut and it's pretty. It photographs well. There you go. And I've go. never had any complaints. Don't don't insult the penis. Every inch counts, JC. Yeah, Every and, inch and, counts. No, and on and honestly, like people have this twisted idea that to be like a good top, you have to have like a big dick, or you know, like a dick is a dick. Like if someone knows how to fuck you good, like you're gonna enjoy it, no matter how inches there is. One. And two, exactly. Like being uncut just adds a little extra oomph to the mix. So, <laughs> at least in my case, I think uncut decks are, are slightly prettier, just like aesthetic wise. Do you do anything in particular to make sure you deliver with a good cum shot when you're doing a scene? Do you any Do you do any preparation when you know you have a shoot coming up to make sure the pop shot pops? Well, normally they would tell you just not to, like, not to come, like, 48 hours before shooting. So it helps with, you know, building it up. But also, like, edging helps. Like, edging helps building it up. And then, you know, you stop edging yourself, and then you go shooting, and then you shoot the scene. And then, like, with all that buildup, whenever everything happens, it, it adds a little bit more pressure into it. And there's also this... um there's also supplements that one can take to, you know, like just make it creamier and just start producing more stuff. But I haven't tried those, but I know they, I've heard from people that actually work. So 
if you know someone's you know who have the secret to it it's like edging in supplements honestly <laughs> tell me something quirky about yourself that most people don't know something unique about jc brook i'm not sure if it's quirky but i i appreciate dancing a lot like i I, I follow a lot of like professional dancers on social media and people that really inspired me just to move my body and kind of like started going into like this whole of like dancing competition and just like getting to know every dancer from every competition and to just like be more aware of like people that are influential in like dancing pop culture and like, you know, like the backup dancers. And then like I could literally, you know, watch the Super Bowl and I could name you like a handful of the performers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I know those dancers and like I know who they work with and like you know I follow like the musicians because I know the dancers so then I'm like oh shit I'll let me like let me get on this artist because I because you know people created good choreos with their music I guess you could say that about me describe yourself in 10 words or less Ooh, okay let me think about that horny Silly, passionate, loving, kind, empathetic, um, also direct. I think that's seven so far. We'll hold it there. I'll keep the rest of the three for people to find out. I love it. Can I just tell you, you gagged me when your first one was horny. It was fantastic. You caught me off guard, but it makes sense. So good, Jay. Too good. Okay, so as we start wrapping things up, I have this list of pop culture-oriented questions that are designed to allow the listeners and your fans to get to know some of your favorites. So the first question in this set is, what are five of your most favorite television shows? Um, let's see. Bojack Horseman, American Horror Story, um... Like, the first, like, five or six seasons, I stopped watching them. But uh, those, um, Midnight Gospel, I really got into, um, ooh, um, The Amazing, Ball of, uh, Amazing World of Gumball, fucking hilarious, um, and Drag Race. What's your favorite season of American Horror Story? Uh, probably Coven. I mean, every, every gay loves witches, so that was, that was pretty fun. Who are four of your all-time favorite music artists? Mm, that's a good one. Uh, Sissa, Doja Cat, um, Cascade, uh, who else, who else, who else? John Bellion, fucking beautiful music. You said four? Yes, four. yeah. <laughs> what are three of your most favorite films? Mm, there's this French horror movie called Raw. That's number oh, one. Oh, yeah. Um, Hereditary is another one that I really, really enjoy. And then <sighs> Hercules, the Disney film, my favorite comfort film. I love that. You have, like, these hardcore spooky movies, and then you have Hercules. Oh, you should, you should see my music taste. <laughs> Very eclectic. Love it. What are two foods you can't live without? Mm. Sushi 
and Venezuelan food. And what is one of your guilty pleasures? Mm, sweets. I mean, I just, I guess, eh, yeah, I like sweets. I'm never guilty of the things that I feel or the things that I like. So let's just say, let's just say my sweet tooth is a problem. <laughs> What's your go-to sweet confection? Ooh, very chocolatey stuff, like peanut buttery chocolate mix, um, chocolate-covered fruits, um, chocolate-covered nuts, all different types of chocolate. It's kind of like my favorite thing. I had a, a big streak when I was younger that I only, like, really enjoyed white chocolate, like candy melt type of stuff. What are you currently binging? Are you currently binge-watching anything? I I was what. <laughs> I was watching this show on Netflix called Physical 100. There's <laughs> just a bunch of like really strong people like, doing these crazy challenges to be like, who's the fittest person in the world? And it's extremely homoerotic. That's so hot. It's, it's good to watch. What's next for Jay Seabrook? What can listeners expect from you in the near future? Well, I mean, hopefully more important. Like, this industry, is, for me, it's kind of just something that I will always have that I would love to do. So I always see myself doing porn and doing sex work. So even if I get a different job or whatever, it's not going to be, I'm not going to like 100% quit this just because I really enjoy this. Like it's really changed my life for the better. So yeah, more porn, good stuff. Hopefully more studio scenes, um, bigger and better things. How can your fans reach you? Where can they find you on the web, social media, as well as where they can find your yeah. original content? Hook them up with your links. So, so Twitter is at jcbrook with capital J, capital S. That's my OnlyFans handle as well, just jcbrook. Um, my Instagram is jcbrook underscore. Um, I'll put my rent men. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. I, I use TikTok too. It's also just JC, at JC Brook. So, well, this does bring us to the end of our interview. Is there anything that you would like to say to your fans and supporters that are tuning in? Well, so if you do enjoy my content, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for supporting. If you do, um, keep doing it. You know, the reason. I do this. It's also because it's. I think it's just pretty awesome to get to inspire people to enjoy themselves sexually and, you know, be more able to be open about this type of things, you know, because I feel porn has such a big bias against it. Why not change the narrative a little bit, you know? I love that. 100%. Very nice, Jay. Well, I certainly want to thank you so much for the interview. Thank you. No, thank you so much. It was really pleasant. And thank you for the shout-outs all the time. You're welcome. They are well deserved. You, yeah, thank you. No, I've been I've been able to just like every time you shout different people out, I'm like, oh, let me let me follow this person. They're pretty cool. I appreciate it. And listen, the door is open for more. You are a lot of fun and so fantastic. Whenever you want to come back for a brand new interview, the door is open. So you're more than welcome to come back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, I hope I hope bigger and better things for your podcast as well. And thank you for this. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And listeners, I also want to thank you for tuning into One-on-One -on -one with Poppy Chulo. Before we go, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you for downloading One-on-One -on -one with Poppy Chulo.
Here are a few helpful reminders. For more information on one-on-one -on -one with Poppy Chulo, visit poppychularadio.com slash after dark. Follow Poppy Chulo on Twitter at twitter.com slash poppychulo one-on-one. That's at poppychulo. The number one. The word on. And the number one. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash poppychularadio. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash poppychularadio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Back to you, Poppy Chulo. Thanks, announcer. And with that, Jay Seabrook and I would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night. Good night, listeners. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to One on One with Poppy Chulo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychuloradio. And like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with some of the adult industry's most popular male performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week. <laughs>